Welcome to the podcast, guys. Always start with the sponsor, OhioFishRescue.com. Dot com. Dot com. Go to their website. Consider giving them money. Probably give them some money. And give, give them, them a call. Give them some love. So these guys are a not-for-profit charity group that take care of large fish that beginners have bought from a store and have no place to to house them. How they're, big how big are they? They're not gonna fit in a ten gallon because, you know, that ball of shark has already reached sixteen inches. What? So again, they don't have, you know, like an animal shelter or a pound. These guys are the animal shelter for fish. So buy a t shirt, go on their website, give them a buck, and their number is two one six seven seven three zero four zero seven. Give them your love. And just call them and tell them, I love you, and hang up the phone. Do it. It's the right thing. We're just waiting to see, because we're going to have an interview with these guys on the podcast eventually here in, this, uh, in the near future. We want to see how many people actually call them and just say, I love you, and hang up. Because that would make our day. They'll probably be so happy with us, they'll punch us in the throat. They will. So uh, <laughs> work with us. Cool. Tell them they cool. Uh, tell them you love them. Give them a buck. Let's kick that podcast. Yeah. Welcome to the Aquarium Guys Podcast with your hosts, Jim Colby and Rob Zolson. Welcome, guys, to the podcast. Today, we're going to do a you know off-topic uh, episode. There's going to be a, you know no real guest other than one of our fans decided to join us on Discord. And before we get too far, I'm Rob Zolson, and my host next to me... Jim Colby. And we also have Adam in the studio. Say hi. Hi. I'm here also. But our guest star is Mr. Pickles. Introduce yourself, sir. Hi. Um, uh, my name is Mr. Pickle. I'm from uh, Canada. I'm 16 and a young chorist just kind of getting into the hobby and i have so many questions so who better to uh help out than a bunch of old guys sitting on a podcast talking about fish all day <laughs> so we're appreciative to have you on again this is a little plug we have a discord so if you want you know more than just leaving a voicemail for us sending us an email you want like oh no my fish is flopping what do i do message us on discord put it back in the tank it'll be the link for discord is on the bottom of our website and uh yeah, we'd love to, love to hear from you. And again, thank you, Mr. Pickles, again. So we're going to dive in to a little fan mail because we're getting more of that now. What? We're popular, Jimmy. No, we're not. Yes, we're on our way to be, you know, at least number two podcast for Aquarium out there. In this town. No, no. Worldwide, sir. Worldwide. Worldwide. Wow, we're shooting for the stars today. Yeah, we got a flex. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we actually had a lot of listens this week. It was fantastic. We Last week we had Steve Rubicki of Angels Plus. He gave us a wealth of information. He was so giving of his time and his knowledge. I just want to say, uh, Steve, thank you again. Uh, we're hoping to have him again on uh, another podcast. Also, I'd like to take a note before we get into fan mail that uh, you know at the end of our podcast we decided to shoot a new outro, and I've been getting a lot of, uh, how do we say... Not flack. I've been getting a lot of people agreeing with us that, uh, you know, endlers are feeder guppies. Feeder so guppies. That we're going to keep that wait, outro. Wait, what? What? This is a thing now? <laughs> I, I know one guy. It, and, yeah. Well, you know, too, 
because uh, two are in this studio. At and, least. And Mr. Pickles is learning to be us. So. Yeah. Nobody likes Endler's Adam. No. So, you know, that was not our intent. <laughs> we have an inside joke that we, uh, you know, just uh, just refund Adam because he loves Endler's. Endlers are a wonderful species. They're extinct in the wild. We do love them. However, we're going to continue giving Adam crap forevermore. Forever. So I'm um, glad you guys like that outro. Keep giving us the feedback. And now for our bit of fan mail. We have from Andrew in Ireland. I- Ireland, Minnesota? No, Ireland, the country, I'm pretty sure. What? We'll have to go through Is this email. Is IRE? Well, I, I'm, I can't give out that personal information, sir. This is anonymous. Somebody in another Unless country or listening to us? He lets me know. You, who knew, right? So it says, hey, guys, I was wondering if you could do a podcast on developing new strains of guppies or keeping current ones healthy. I'm a breeder based in Ireland, so it must be the country, um, for the last two years and have plenty to learn and think this topic would do well for other listeners on podcasts if it isn't discussed on any other social, because it isn't discussed on any social media platform. You could discuss multiple fish, how similar they are, etc. Again, thanks, guys, for doing a great job on the podcast. Um, listened up to every podcast so far. Thumbs up. Wow. So, two thumbs up? Just one. We're, wor- we're working <laughs> on earning two. At so, least it wasn't the middle finger. Andrew from Ireland, yeah. we, we got your request loud and clear. And we actually have, we have a, a lot of uh, podcasts scheduled up. So we're going to do some of these in-between podcasts as well. But uh, we will a- absolutely have a, uh, not angels, a guppy breeder specialist on here to talk about how to develop strains, how to do show. We have a lot of options. And even Steve or Bicky was giving us uh, some recommendations. So there's going to be a lot more to come. We are not going to ignore your request, but it's definitely going to be a couple of weeks out before we get that expert in the podcast studio. Yeah, we're going to reach out to somebody, uh, try to find out the uh, expert who's going to know all the answers to these questions. Uh, coming up this week, we're hoping to have Julie from Seagrass Farms. They sell thousands and thousands of guppies per week. And she does have quite a few interesting um, tidbits on how to keep a, a healthy guppy healthy. And uh, we'll dwell, dwell into that a little bit probably on Wednesday. She's a wealth of knowledge. How many years has she been in the industry from your, your guess? I'm guessing over 30 years. I've been buying Julie buying from Julie for over 25 years. Um, when my wife and I go down to Florida, Julie, uh, and, uh, my wife and I always go out and have dinner and maybe have a few drinks and stuff. And it's just amazing. Every time we sit down, I hear a new story and learn a lot of new stuff. So we're really looking forward to having her coming up on Wednesday. Perfect. So again, just a little more cleanup guys. I'm so excited. We have the Aquarium Guys official merch store ready for you guys to uh, get that sweet Aquarium Guys podcast gear. What can I get? You can get t-shirts. You can get hoodies. We even have female attire, you know, because clearly they Bikinis. have different shapes. We have crop tops. What? Yes. I don't, I don't even think that was supposed to be approved, but I don't care. I think if you, you want a crop top, we got a crop top. I want you to wear one next week. i tell you what. You wear the crop top, and I will wear something sexy, too. I'll tell you what. We get... We get uh, let's let's make a let's make a goal here. What's that? We get twenty people to hit our store. No, 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 that's that's not enough. That's a crop top. All right, <laughs> we get we get thirty p- different people ordering from our merch store. I will personally buy and wear a crop top and take a picture and put it on our Twitter. Oh, that will make everybody throw up in their <laughs> mouth. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I will purge. 
I want you guys just to take a minute and Blow really chunks. imagine the stretch marks that oh. you're going to see. Rob's a large man. I'm a folks. very large man. He's large. I'm a lot to love. He, <laughs> yes, it, it's a community affair to love Rob. It is. But check it out. Again, AquariumGuysPodcast.com on the bottom of the website. Merch store. Hit it up. It got great deals. And for the next, I think it's 12 days. Maybe it's 11 days. You'll see the promo code on there. They have a 15% off for us kicking off the store. So make sure to use that. I believe that goes towards your shipping as well. You'll see on the website. But again, 15% off. So hop on it and uh, let's get let's get me in a crop top. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. Wait, wait, Adam. Adam, we, we have to do some bikini waxing. You and me before nah. we before we do that. No. Come on, you got to be in the crop top too. I can't go solo no. on this. Well, I could probably pull it off before you could. You'd look better in it. Actually, to be what fair. it should be is Jim should be in the crop top. You got that tanned olive skin. You know what I mean? You it's are natural brown. No one wants to see Jimmy in it. Like there's there's me, you, <laughs> and then there's him. So we'll just stick to us. Wow. I'm <laughs> I'm right here. I can hear you. I'm so sorry. We were supposed Butthole. to mute you. All right. All right, so let's dive in the podcast. What we got is a lot of different requests, not just Andrew that had a request, but requests from a lot of our listeners, and they wanted a, you know, I'm a beginner. You guys talk a lot about breeders and the industry, and I'm a beginner. I want to start from here. I've never done a uh, fish tank before. If I, I've done one in the past, but it didn't work out, please, where do I get started? So we're going to do a crash tutorial podcast on getting started with your first aquarium. So, Mr. Pickle. We yeah. are privileged to have you in here today, and you said, again, you're 16. You're just getting into the hobby for the first time. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So before we get into the whole beginner conversation top to bottom, which, again, we'll love your perspective as well, but you had a question for the show, and that's why we have you on the Discord. So I believe you had a question about the cycle. Was that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I just uh, got my new 10-gallon tank, and I'm not sure how to cycle it without fish because I know the fish cycle... There's a chance you'll kill the fish, which is just kind of stupid and a waste of money. So how do I do a fishless cycle, and how does it work? Now, Mr. Pickle, you live in Canada, correct? Yeah. And, and are you near major city, or are you out um, out in the plains? No, near major city. Major city. Well, most of the most of your major places, um, such as your your Petco's, your Pet Smarts, will carry uh, what I call bacteria in a bottle. Yep, that's the best stuff ever. And um, what is the stuff called, Adam? Um, well, it depends. If he's up in Canada, he's probably got Rolf C. Hagen's bacteria in a bottle. They also have uh, stress zyme in Canada as well. Yeah, yep. but the the Rolf C. Hagen stuff I found works better than stress zyme. But stress zyme, if you're really hurting, will work in a pinch. And, and the thing about about this the all the enzymes that you can buy. Right now is probably the time you want to buy that stuff because what happens when they ship Stresszyme or any of this other stuff, if it freezes, it's, it's no dead. good. It's no good. And so you really want to get it this time of year. You want to go out and buy it right now because they've been shipping it all summer long up in Canada. It's nice up in Canada right now, and uh, it'll be live. But the, but going back to uh, Stresszyme, there's also one called Stress Coat, and you don't want to mix those two together. Stress Coat is basically an olive vera type product that the dechlorinizer for your water yeah dechlorizes your, your water it also puts a a slime coating on your fish and that's also a great product but you also want to you want to use stress zyme and you really for the most part you can't really overdo stress zyme can you well the no. idea is 
it's bacteria in a bottle. You're, you're putting in essentially, you know, living a, a little bit of crap. Organisms. In your tank. So the more you add, the more crap you have to really fully um, cycle your aquarium. So if you put too much, well, you just do a water change. Nothing's going to hurt because of it. But yeah, if you do, you put it in and what it's there for is to break down the waste. And I like to compare it to, and it sounds really silly, but we, um, I'm an old guy and we used to have outhouses back in the day. Like, and um, when you go in an outhouse in July, it didn't smell good. It was not good at all. And so um, I kind of compare an aquarium, you put an aquarium together, you throw your first few fish in there, everything's fine and dandy for four or five days, but all, all of that waste in the aquarium starts building up and after it starts building up there's nothing naturally in the aquarium to break down that waste and so they'll actually um, kill themselves with their own waste is probably the easiest way to put it so to go through the actual cycle that's what we do to cheat the cycle because we're not going to uh, wait and give the whole you know full amount of time for a cycle to complete so yeah. the idea is when you have an aquarium however big how, how big is your tank mr. pickles uh well, this one that I'm trying to cycle right now is a 10-gallon tank. What do you have in there for fish? Nothing currently, but well, you see, what I was doing, I have biomedia from my other tank that I put inside. Bravo. Perfect, dude. Bravo. There you go. That works. Good job. That's why I was going to ask, is that the same as like buying a starter culture of it's, bacteria? It's even better. It's better because it's already yeah. ready to go. It's even better. So the idea with the cycle is fish produce waste, urine, poop whatever else, uh, uneaten food, and it all creates to ammonia in the tank. And if there's nothing, no bacteria to break down that ammonia, it becomes toxic for anything that's living in there, including plants. So you want bacteria to eat and consume the ammonia in the tank to create nitrite, and then you want other bacteria to turn that into nitrate, and the cycle continues. So without that breakdown, you're just going to have an overload of ammonia in your tank to kill your fish. So... Again, when people start with just a bare tank and they've been told by some pet co person, just let it run for 30 days, that's not quite accurate. You either have nothing in there to start the cycle with. So when you have that bacteria in a bottle, or you did it the better way, is grab some old you know, filter media, maybe an old sponge from the other, other tank, don't rinse it out and just throw it in there. That starts the process. And it starts the process right away so you don't have to wait that, uh, that big uh, time period. Because most people, without a friend in the hobby or knowing that the uh, bottle, uh, bacteria in a bottle exists, they have to just put maybe one fish and then wait for it to start to build before they add a bunch more to risk the lives of the other fish. And it's, it's not a fun process and it's a lengthy time depending on how much you're putting in your tank. And he also saved well, about seven or eight bucks. So good job. What kind of yeah. fish were you planning on putting in the 10-gallon? Last thing, I, I'm trying to decide. I'm still deciding. I, for for a while, I really wanted to put in a, an axolotl, those little lizard things. Okay. But well, we're um, glad you didn't. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it's a bit of a small tank for that. Um, I'm I don't know. I'm thinking maybe a, a beta fish well, or I don't know something like that. Uh, so I'm, let, let's I'm go from the top. Thinking. And we'll go through this, and we'll have you listen in, and we'll get some of uh, your viewpoints there, Mr. Pickle, along the way. Yeah. And hopefully by the time this podcast is over, you know, maybe we can give you some ideas. What do you have set up in right. your, your other tank right now? Do you have another tank set up? Uh, okay, well, you see, the other tank was, because originally I wanted to get a big tank so I could get a cool setup. Um, I, got a, I found it from this old man on Kijiji. He couldn't really take care of it anymore. And it's a really decent setup. It came with a, uh, a stand, a 55-gallon tank. The oh, that's filter. the best starter. Yeah, the filter, the heater, everything. 
and uh, also the decorations and the fish inside. It came with four goldfish, a golden gourami, one Cory catfish, and a massive pleco that was way too big for the tank. So yeah, I did my research, and I, I sold most of the fish that were in the tank already. Do you still have that Cory? Yeah. Okay, put the Cory in the 10-gallon tank if you put some of the stuff from there. That way, yeah. the Cory will keep the cycle built up a little bit. You could just put a little bit of flake food in there. Really? Okay. Yeah. Right that, you got to have something in there that, to produce a little bit of waste or else the bacteria just kind of starves. Well, what I was doing, yeah. I was putting in um, like fish food. I heard that does just as well as uh, fish waste. So I put in some fish food to start up the cycle. It, it can, but the problem is is it uh, it breaks down so much worse because you don't have all the bacteria. So, you're, again, you're and starting at a different yeah. point. Oh, okay. So the food will rot uh, much faster than your filter that has already had the, some of the process uh, started. Won't be able to keep up. Right. Oh, okay. So it's best so, to always use a filter media because that has good bacteria and the bad, whereas just putting fish food in creates the bad at first. Oh, okay. So yeah, okay. let's start in and start from the top. All right. We have Mr. Pickle here that he was, uh, he did some homework. He's an educated gentleman and decided that he wants to look into a tank and we'll, we'll put, we'll, what's our, what's our metaphorical person here? We'll put, uh, Jeff. Jeff is, you know, 16 years old and Jeff's looking for a tank and he has different options out there. So he thinks start small, right? Small means easy. No, small doesn't mean no. easy. Small means a lot of work. So if you're going to yeah. pick the size of tank, we really recommend the bigger you can go, the better. And we like to say the most you can afford. But if you're going to start a tank, go on Facebook Swap and Shop, go on your Craigslist, you know, with your mom's help, and try to find a bigger system. 55 is perfect. It's nice and large, and the larger the tank is, the easier it is to take care of. You don't have to... Uh, worry about if something dies the ammonia killing the entire tank because you have enough water in there you can easily build up more bacteria because there's more surface area in the entire tank and you're having the correct size for at least the majority of tropical fish to live out their entire lives so you don't have to start with a small one oh they outgrew it to now have to go buy another so if you can start large but minimum for most of these uh fish that we'll recommend a 10 gallon We'll certainly cut it. 55 is the best, but trying to get to a 10-gallon, the nano tanks are way more difficult. If one I tiny iota goes bad, the, those small nano tanks you get at Walmart crash so easy. It, with a large amount of water, it's more forgiving. When you, when you have 10 gallons versus, say, 20 or 55, like Rob's just said, you, you have one dead fish that passes away, it's up there in the corner of the tank. You don't notice it. You don't scoop it out right away. It just deteriorates, and it will take that tank down with it, you know, fairly quickly. So the larger tank that you can, than you have, the more forgiving it is. I mean, and we all know, and uh, if you leave for the weekend, that's when that fish is going to die every single yeah. time. And even sometimes, depending on the fish, if they're long fin fish, you'll have issues where the fish will die, and within that day when you're gone, they'll already start rotting because you have a small tank that's heated. It's the perfect, uh, the perfect storm. It's so a cooker. You're, you're baking your fish, not a slow baking at least, <laughs> and they'll rot out by the time you get home. You have to do a massive water change, and oh, look, they already got sick from what happened. You know, Robs, who was that the other day we got a, a nice email or, or something? Somebody had said that they really liked the Steve Rubicki, uh podcast, and he said how much, you know, Steve says he works seven days a week, 
uh, this person said that they had uh, been in their store. Piranhas. Yeah, with piranhas. They, two years they had been in there. And um, they, the only day they missed was like Christmas Day, and that was the time that their breeding piranhas kicked off uh, one of the filters or something like that, and they lost everything. Yeah, the intake filter. So shout out to Anthony. Uh, Anthony is in Michigan. And, uh, yeah, he was messaging us on uh, how he liked the podcast. But, yeah, just uh, just missing that one day, he lost a big pair of, breeding pair of, uh, of piranha. So it, Heartbreaking. It really know, is. If you have a bigger tank and something like that happens, you have a few more hours for sure for right. even oxygen to be dealt with. No, was, was Anthony a pet store owner, was it my understanding? He was, yes. And he, he was producing enough... Uh, piranha to sell for himself and also sell back to his wholesaler so i mean a, a big loss of, of money for anthony and so but like uh we all have a a, a friend and his name is tyler tolsrud and ty always says to me he goes i never say this is my favorite fish anymore because that's the one that's going to be dead tomorrow and ty has three children and he won't tell you which one his favorite is because <laughs> he said every time i say that's my favorite and it's, it's gone so it's just a uh, law of averages. It seems like it always goes wrong. So let's say they, they did, you know, what we don't recommend and get the smaller tank. So they got a 10-gallon tank. Now the next choice is what substrate do you choose? Now there's two main substrates to choose for beginner hobbyists. Number one is pea gravel. You'll get this at, you can get colored, you can get natural color. I always try to dissuade people from getting the colored because, yes, the paint may be, quote-unquote, aquarium safe and how they color these rocks, but they chip and it just cruds up the aquarium very quickly because that color, that bright neon color in the tank, does not last forever, and the rocks will literally chip apart. So yeah, if you can, it's just quartz spray painted with paint. Yeah, literally, it's just uh, aquarium safe spray paint. So as you wash the gravel, as you take care of it, and as it runs, they'll chip apart. They'll look like hell, and any type of small algae, which is good for the gravel, looks like crud on that uh, neon gravel. So stay away from colored rocks as much as you can and stay to the natural colors because again you won't really see algae on them they're not painted they're not going to chip and they're going to last literally forever it'll look more a little more natural but you know it's, it's hard when, when you've got young children who are three and five and they want the bright pink gravel i mean you're you're probably going to end up putting it in but like rob said you're going to see where that doesn't look so great after about a month so the pros and cons pros the pea gravel holds a lot of that beneficial bacteria you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hold a lot of the uh, bits and pieces. More surface area. It's more surface area for the tank. Correct. And for some fish, depending on the fish, they do like uh, to be able to pick up stones. Some cichlids like to move little bits of gravel. Little bits? Little. Well, some are some whole mouthfuls and they build they'll, nests. They'll move 50 pounds of gravel from one end of the tank to the other, jerks. We don't recommend those fish for, for new <laughs> beginner hobbyists, by the way. And they the, normally don't even get sold in the hobby, really. I mean, and like you have to go to like a specialty store to find them. You just gotta gotta go to good people for, for cichlids. Exactly. Yeah. So the other substrate to choose from is sand, and there's a lot of different sand choices Boo. out there. No, yeah, don't no listen sand. to these guys. I'm gonna tell you the pros and cons and the and the reasoning why they're booing. Rob's been drinking all day. Sand is my favorite. The reason being is the the cons against gravel is that food and poop particles fall between gravel and you have to gravel vac continually. Whenever you do a water change and you have to be very thorough, you can get these gravel vac kits at Walmart. They're around 10, 15 bucks and you have to siphon and literally push a tube in this gravel, cleaning all the crap out continually. It's a big pain in your rear end. And if you're not faithful or 
like do it do it enough or you miss a spot you're adding rot to your aquarium and you're literally letting crap and old food sit there and rot in your tank so with sand the pros and cons sand does not let any particles poop or food or otherwise through and for corydoras and a lot of bottom feeders it's really fun to watch them dig and play in the sand it's a really fun space for fish especially if you have you know it's legal in your area dojo loaches or coolie loaches they love to dig and play and it's fun to watch uh, watch through the cons if you're in your tank with nets scooping around you'll kick sand everywhere and it might get into your filter number one it will get in your filter. It will get into your filter. Yeah. But the argument is most modern filters don't have issue with sand anymore. They used to be a burnout right away. Marine land, all kinds of stuff. I've seen literally like a half inch of sand in the bottom, and they work just fine. So Wait, in the bottom of the impeller unit or in the bottom of the filter basket itself? In both. A uh, little bit in the, uh, the filter unit itself and the basket. So they have bigger blades. They handle a little bit better, but you still can have issues. It's not, you know, guaranteed to not burn out your filter. And two, you know, every three to four months, you're going to have to take just a stick. You can use maybe a crochet rod. You can use a dowel and just wiggle it around in the sand to let bubbles escape. So let's say that one tiny piece of something got in the sand. Well, it's going to decay and it's going to make a little air pocket in the sand because it can't escape because the sand's so tight. So you taking a stick just knocks those pockets of gases out of the sand, and you have to do this about once every four months, and it's real simple. And, again, those are the real reasons people hate sand. So pros and cons, I personally love sand, and you can get good aquarium sand, 50-pound bag at your local hardware store for pool filter sand. And the reason I say pool filter sand, it's the correct grade, meaning it's not so fine it's going to just cloud up your water and leave particles everywhere. And it's pH neutral. Because it's just nice, wholesome, pure, nice, blonde-looking sand. Midwestern sand. Midwestern sand. Wholesome. Wholesome sand. You know, it goes to Chick-fil-A sand. On the, not on Sundays because they're closed. But, uh, you know, eight bucks for 50 pounds. Just rinse it out well, and it works so well and works great for plants. And that's about a four- or five-week process of going through, and I hate you, Rob, so much. I, I'm, he, not, I'm not a fan of sand. No. I'm not a huge fan of gravel either. But I hate gravel. Sand, yeah. Sand's way better. But um, it, it, what, what sucks is that Rob's got a beautiful 125-gallon tank down here with 200 rummy nose. Got plants growing out of that thing like a bevy. I mean, just beautiful. And he's got great success there. But uh, I'm still not a fan of, of sand. Um, why don't you just put cement down? It's the same. It's just as hard and ugly looking and... Well, you know, Jimmy's going to talk about bare bottom here pretty quickly, but not not so, your bare bottom, not even a chance of talking about your bare bottom. So those are the main two choices for sand for beginners. There's other See, there you go. There's other substrates. Again. There's other substrates for sand or gravel. There's other substrates to choose from, but this is what we recommend for beginners. Going past that, you'll do potting clay and all kinds of different stuff for plants. Just stick to either sand or gravel. Know your pros and cons. Yeah, you can spend a ton and ton of money on different substrates. When you start doing shrimp and different things, Super which are expensive. which are more advanced, and I have spent, I have a, a, a what is, what size is my cube? Well, they call you money bags, Colby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Amazon has me on their birthday wish list. Oh my god! <laughs> god. But anyway, the uh, I bought some pretty expensive substrate for my ninety-gallon cube tank where I have discus. And it, it turned to kind of mud after about a year, and I was not happy with it. So, but I mean, everybody that has a favorite substrate 
It's just do your research and decide what's best for you. Oh, and I'm picking on them. I'm like, how much you spend on that? You know, you realize it's eight bucks for 50 pounds. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. This brought to you by Menards. Menards. All right. So the next piece is decor. So before we do decor, you know, you, you need to know what type of fish you have. You know, do some homework. You know, Pickles really showed uh, initiative when he said, you know, I had to do homework. You know, what, what I was supposed to do, try to find more about the cycle. <laughs> he, said use, uh, he said use filter media. You know, do some homework on the fish. Look at their care needs, and they'll, they'll show that, oh, they love, you know, being between uh, large plants. Oh, they love a little bit of floating plants on the top. Oh, they love caves to go into. You know, do your homework, but, you know, start out, are you going to use plastics or live plants? And most people are like, live plants, this, this is already too intimidating. I'm done. So what we do, what we're going to do is we're going to make this easy on you. We're going to give you five beginner plants that you can go out to your pet store and pick up that are really, really easy and low maintenance. And above all else, you shouldn't be able to kill real easy. And, and the other thing, too, is I've, I've seen this worked a few times. Uh, Mr. Pickle, earlier we had him when we were off the air, he was saying, why is everything so gosh darn expensive? <laughs> and the one thing you, you can do and... You can start out with some plastic plants. There are some very realistic-looking plants. There's some silk plants. Um, you know, if you're new and you want to try live plants, go ahead and put in four or five plastic plants or silk plants and then put in one or two live towards the front and just see how it goes for you. You know, uh, depending on your water quality or what you have in your water and your lighting situation, you know, live plants may be so easy for you. Live plants for Rob... Is very easy he's got a beautiful setup over here in 125 over over in my 90 gallon cube it is so deep and my light is so cruddy that i don't have very good luck with plants so that you spent 90 dollars on poop sand on poop sand so thanks amazon thanks amazon.com we are not sponsored by them <clears throat> not yet not yet we're shooting for the moon <laughs> So, number one on the plant list is Amazon Swords, and there's a whole long line of diverse Amazon Swords, but if you go into your pet store, they'll have whatever selection they believe in. Probably that'll be closer to resemble your water requirements, and just ask him, I want the hardiest sword you have. And he will certainly direct you, because almost every pet store has swords. And They're the, very, very common, easily, just beautiful green, basic growing plant. And, and with live plants... There's a little white stick usually in most of them. If you find the potted plants, there's a little white stick in there. Take the, take a second take a look and see how big is this darn thing going to get. Because there's, there's so many different Amazon sword plants. Some only get two, two to four inches. Some will get six to eight. Some will get 14, 16 inches. Most that they sell for assorted swords stay a nice smaller size. But the ones that you got to be cautious of is melon swords. Melon swords, get, they're very beautiful. They're using a lot from angelfish and discus, and they're very hardy and can take a beating, but they get big. There's giant leaves in your tank. So, so. You might, Yeah, you might want to save that one for your 55. Exactly. Uh, next on the list is dwarf sage, and this is held by many, many Aquarius. Normally, they throw them out every month in a small ice cream pail. Because they grow so much. It looks exactly like crabgrass. And grows just like it. So it just has this nice little, you know, shootout that looks like grass. And Get off my lawn. It will grow all the way to the top of your tank in some situations. And when it decides to multiply, it just shoots out more roots and continues a chain of grass growing down your, your gravel. And it, yeah, it'll shoot roots underneath or on top or both. And you'll it, it just kind of multiplies by itself. 
And this is one of the plants that you can actually have pea gravel with because most plants have a lot of difficulties. There's not a lot of nutrition in the, uh, the pea gravel. So this is a great one that if you're using those actual pea gravel, it will bear, burrow right through it and shoot up and sprout. What else you got? So we have the traditional guppy grass. Very I'm going to let you talk about this, Jimmy. Guppy grass. I, I love guppy grass. Go on the internet, type in guppy grass. It is not easy to find. Uh, it took me over six months to find somebody with guppy grass. Uh, one of my friends who own a pet store, they went down to a convention down, I believe it was like Iowa, and they came back with these bags of guppy grass. And they're a great floating, great floating type of plant that sits on top. It's it's not really leafy. It's more kind of forked. But uh, I raise a lot of uh, shrimp, and the shrimp just go crazy gaga over it. And what's nice about it is in a shrimp tank, you got to be real careful for when you start having uh, live plants die. The shrimp love the dead plants, but the dead plants will eventually cloud up your water and make it nasty. Well, if the plants die, the shrimp eat it and create more waste. And right. It'll be an explosion of waste because they'll eat the dead plants so vivaciously and fast. Yeah, but they uh, with the guppy grass, there's, there's so much coverage, uh, so much area on it where they can just graze and get the algae off of it. And I love guppy grass. And like I said, it, it's it's not easy to find. You'll probably have to go on somewhere like Aquabid or, you know, bother, bug your... Um, bug your buddy to give you a buddy. clump. Yeah, right. And so I recently, I bought, uh, what did I buy? I bought, bought like six or seven bags of it. And I, I gave some to Rob's. I gave some to my other friend, Ty. And uh, in case I, I'd lost mine, then at least I have a backup. And so that's always good when you're, if you've got friends who are in the uh, hobby, if you've got something that you love, like Adam's got these crappy, what are they called? Endler guppies. And Endler anyway, live berries. Oh, that's right. Feeder guppies. And he gave some to Rob's. And, and you know what? That's a good idea because if for some reason, uh, Adam's got four children at home. And for some reason, they're throwing a ball and, and they broke uh, they broke the aquarium. And he lost they all his fish. They would never do such a thing. Yeah, your children are perfect. I've seen them. <laughs> And then at least, I mean, he'd have a backup. He could call Rob and say, hey, I lost all my fish. Can, you, can I get some fish from you? And, and Rob's go, sure, for 30 bucks. We've, we've lost more fish out of the hobby due to somebody not spreading them around to other people. Like uh, Steve Rubicki was telling us a story about the yellow betas that he said were just like neon yellow, and now they're gone because he gave them away and nobody else kept them. Right. So to go down the list again, to get back on track... We have anacris. So anacris is, I'd say, the, one of the oldest traditional plants because it's so versatile and you can use it in cold water with your goldfish is really why it got popular. So anacris is this bushy stem-looking plant, and this can be planted, it can be floating, and it, again, the colder the water, the better it works. And how they sell these in pet stores, because most pet stores have them, is they'll sell them with a little, I don't know, like metal lead. It's a lead weight. Like a lead weight stuck to the bottom, holding them together in a bunch. Yeah. So you can just plant that with the little metal weight that it uh, has and plant that right in your uh, gravel. Or you can take apart the lead weight and just let it float at the top. So it's a very uh, diverse type of plant. And, again, if you're using goldfish, great plant to have. Although goldfish, again, they'll, they'll probably gnaw on some plants. But, again, it's a, it is does well in cold water on top of tropical. Give that to go. And... The best one for last. What's right? that? What do you got? It, I have just recently, in the last two years, gotten into hornwort for the first oh, time. Oh, gosh. And hornwort, I'm not exaggerating. I have a 55-gallon rescue tank up, uh, up in my kitchen, 
and I planted one piece of it that was floating in a bag. Just one, I'm talking speck. I put it in my tank and planted it, and now every single week, I take one of those big ice cream pails full. And I'm not talking just like, ooh, I stacked it. Nope, I'm talking pushed, packed, full. I throw away one every week of hornwort. You cannot kill it. It can work in every tank. You can have it free-floating. You can plant it. And if you want it to multiply, you don't have to wait for it to shoot out. You can rip it in pieces and replant it across your tank, and it will grow up from, from the bottom. In one day, I measured a um, in the perfect, most perfect conditions, a almost an inch of growth. Are you kidding me? It's amazing. Now, they look like little pine needles, they, kind of like the old traditional plastic plants. This is what they model off of. And it just looks like a clump of you know bushy needly type plant they're not leafy at all but if you want the you know the hardiest i there's no possible way i can kill it plant that is your best beginner plant i can possibly recommend just make sure to not let it overtake the tank and you're gonna have to do some weed trimming and you know i i have a store and i buy hornwort anacris and that's my one of my top two sellers because you know we're just basically a small store but the like Rob said, the hornwort. He's come over to my house with buckets of hornwort, and I throw them in my shrimp tank. And I, I saw that I had a hundred shrimp in there yesterday. And now I look in there now, and I see like I got six shrimp because they're all hiding in the hornwort. And that stuff just floats on the top of my tank. I don't plant mine, and uh, it just goes and grows and grows. I hate this stuff. All right, so now decorations. So before we get into decorations, there's these cool things at Walmart that you wanted to talk about. The traditional, what do you say, treasure chest bubblers? Oh, gosh, I love those. When I first got in... Everybody. Every, well, go ahead, Adam. No, 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 go ahead, Jim. You're going to say everybody hates them? No, I. they're not my cup of tea, but everybody likes them because they think it's the coolest thing in the world to have them. Yeah, I think they're really lame, too, but I just like to get Rob's going. But, you know, the, the treasure chest that you see in there, I used to have one of those treasure chests, and it would chop the head off a fish about once every three months. It's, I swear to God, the, the little treasure <laughs> the little treasure chest Seriously? Would, yeah, I'm, I'm not dead serious. The little treasure chest I would have, pop up ugh. and just, just chop his little, I mean, just, it's hilarious. Okay, so. Not, I, I have that, like something like that. I'll buy it's it like, from you, Mr. Pickle. So before you go too far, I'd like to point out that, you know, Jimmy's not a young man anymore, and the treasure chests that he has probably were made out of lead, and they were literally <laughs> slashing heads off. The ones they sell now have smooth edges and are plastic from Walmart, sir. Yeah, yeah, my, but the treasure chests from Walmart that they sell now, the plastic ones, they just, they fade and the paint gets in there and they just get nasty after they're a cheap. while. You know, you gotta, you gotta have pros and cons. But... I'm just gonna blame the Chinese for that. I'm just... Exactly, that's the tariffs. That's the tariffs. But they're fun. You know, you need aeration yeah. in the tank and again, we'll go over the checklist of what you should have with your fish and aeration's real, real high on the list. So if you have any tank, you're not gonna be an expert of, oh, how much oxygen do they need? Just make sure you have a bubbler so you yeah. can pick up a nice, you know, a blower, uh, aerator put the cord right to it and these these bubblers are really fun for your kids they you know don't make don't get a big heavy metal one that chops off fish's heads and yeah. if you get a plastic one it's probably going to fade and chip and it's only going to last so long but they're still fun for your kids and they're very safe way to get some aeration in the tank and make it look kiddish yeah i mean if you've got young children they're going to love it if you're old like me and it chops off fish heads you're you're going to love it no you're not going to love that <laughs> But I tell you, it, it's I, I've still got the darn thing. I'm, I'm going to dig it out of a box somewhere. And and the one I had was heavy. And for some reason, every time this little chest would open up, 
after I fed, it would kind of suck in a little bit of food. And the food would be in that chest, and those fish would sit there and try to time it like, like they're playing miniature golf. <laughs> and then they'd get their head smacked. I don't know if I actually ever saw fish, you know, die, but I saw a lot of concussions happening there. It was kind of like the NFL on Sunday. And, um, but there's a, a lot of cool, uh, what do I want to say? The old ones. I've got a, a ceramic mermaid that is just classic that I'm trying to find. Uh, Rob's just came over to my house the other day, and he stole my 10-gallon stainless steel tank from what year was that rob do you think it was i dated that was it. supposed to be mine i dated it <laughs> yeah adam wanted it too. on the hood right they had this uh sweet um the hood is completely intact yes the hood they had never find this two prong not three prong plug because they didn't have grounding back then right and on it this is the light socket plug right jimmy yeah it had patent pending the patent wasn't even done for the light socket it was so old yeah so i looked up the manufacturer and the time the patent was officialized was pre-World War II. So it must be ni- early 1940s, late 30s. Yep. And this was a this is a stainless steel 10-gallon tank with a slate bottom. You, usually you can find a tank here or there, but you very seldom get them with a nice top that fits, that's not banged up, because they're stainless steel. They're not rusty. I mean, this thing's in pristine, and I've had it over at my house on a shelf down in my fish room. Rob's comes over, whines, cries, he even he stole it. He even wets his pants a little bit, and he goes, "I really want that, Jimmy." And I go, "No, just to be a jerk." And so the other day he came over and he goes, "Mine," and he went out the door with it. And so anyway, when this podcast takes off, I'm reporting his butt to HR, and I'm going to get him fired. <laughs> we need to we need to get an HR department first. You know what, Mr. Pickles, my HR guy, and he's going to Mr. Pickles loves me, sir. <laughs> All right, you told him about heads getting chopped off, well, and now he's scared of you. That might have been an, an, an exaggeration, but there was a whole lot of guppy co- concussions. Let's put it that way. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep off track on this one. And what I did is Good luck. I took that hood because having the hood with those aluminum tanks are really hard to find. And I'll post it on uh, our Twitter page to make Ooh. sure that we have the video on there. I did tweet out a couple times this week. Be proud. Jimmy didn't know what a podcast is. He's podcasting. He's never been on social media, and now he has a Twitter account and posting. You know, that's it, Adam. A pickle applause. Yes. Yay. Yes. Thank you, gentlemen. Like, so, like like my brother says, what is Facebook? <laughs> what is Facebook? I don't have that. So, again, we'll post it on the Twitter account. And what I did is I took the original hood, and all the electrical in it was rotten. So I had to remove the electrical, and then I used a... LED light strip kit that was waterproof. I wired it into the original switch, that the rotating clicker switch, and it works great. Yeah, right. it looks beautiful. It's got great light. Great light, and again, it's, those tops are stainless steel, so they're reflective. So you just stick on the uh, the LED lights, and I soldered it and hot glued the connections to make sure the connections were also waterproof. So when you look at the top, it looks all original. It still uses its same, you know, power socket and the same switch. So you turn it on and off the same way you did in 1930. So there's a very good chance you'll be electrocuted and will probably die. Hey, you know, then we don't have to deal with HR now, do we? <laughs> no. Nana no. boo boo. Yeah. Stick your head in and, a metal old bubbler to get your head chopped and off. So, and so he he steals this. He, he runs out of my house like a little kid, and my dog just watches him like, oh, look at him go, and and so he he brings it home. And he, he does his hood, and he, he does a YouTube video. He sends it to me to kind of antagonize me. And then what the jerk did, he, 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 he has the 
I don't know what the word is, balls? Cojones. Cojones. He had the cojones to call me and say, yeah, it leaks. What? what, what? You, yeah. What do you want your freaking money back? You stole it out of my house. So I did some homework and I found out that that tank was sealed with a mixture of asphalt, seed oil, and lead oxide. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently that doesn't hold up after, I don't know, 50 years, 70 years. Yeah, yeah 70. Yeah. So, so, so back to um, decorations, I've got this, this really cool old ceramic mermaid that's kind of coming out of the you know the grass and stuff but it, it's just real classic looking and what rob wants to do with he this just tank, likes it because it's topless it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it is but uh what rob wants to do is he wants to take this tank and he wants to put it back in its original condition we're going to use some black silicone and we're going to we're going to tighten it up so it doesn't leak so much and then he wants to put in uh white cloud minnows is that correct so I did a bunch of research on this tank, and I want to make it to the era. So I had to, you know, figure out what heat, you know, what what filter, what what did they have in 1930 Box for filter. aquariums? Because that's when this whole peak uh, got up. Is the hobby started surging, the toy market got in, sea monkeys kicked it off. Sea monkeys are. And Hasbro bought gorgeous. the Metaframe company, which made all these aluminum frame tanks. They bought it as a toy product to sell to the market, and that's what exploded out the hobby. You so did your homework. I'm impressed. I did my homework, sir. Yeah. So pre, pre-World pre War II, we didn't have commercialized flight. It was not available to send fish from other countries in, so we had a very limited supply that people could bring over on boats or whatever else they could find. So they had a lot of American um, killifish, a lot of different types. They had goldfish because, again, those were everywhere. But there was very few, uh, very small selection on what there was available. They had, you know, the expensive fish for only the most advanced enthusiasts were, you know, neon tetras. Ooh, those were, those were really expensive to yeah. get, right? They were expensive back in the day. So most people, if they wanted to have a nice-looking fancy fish, they they named them the poor man's neon tetra was the white cloud. Right up your alley. Right. So. The reason why I picked those is because in 1930, they didn't have traditional heaters. They didn't have really any heaters. So the reason that they had slate bottoms was not just because it was a cheaper than glass at that time, but also because they used Bunsen burners to heat the aquarium. <laughs> You're just making stuff up now. They had weird pans they put on the bottom and cook a Bunsen burner to keep the, keep the aquarium a certain temperature. That's that's what so they you're did. gonna put a Bunsen burner on this tank. I for can't white wait. Dogs? I am not going to put a Bunsen burner I, on this tank because I, most people didn't go to that level. Most people instead got a fish that could accommodate. So white clouds are a cold water species that do not need heat. So then I also yeah. looked up what could they possibly use for filters. So the motorized filter was popularized right around after World War II. That's when it finally really hit the market hard. And these things you'd have to oil them every three months, otherwise they'd burn out. They were gross, and they drip oil into the filter. They'd be a big problem. They weren't per, uh, they weren't perfected at all. So what they did is they used how we're using it: traditional um, piston pump air, uh, aerators, and they're using hang on the back filters that just blew water into them. Yeah, you know some of those first filters, you actually had to start to siphon yourself, and it was just a plastic box on the back with really, I don't know if I had a motor or not. They did not have motors in most situations, it would, it would just, especially in 1930. Yeah, it would just siphon out and drop in there, and you'd have filter floss in there and some charcoal, and it would just go through that and then dump back out. The problem is if you bumped it and you lost your siphon, you're kind of screwed. So they improved on the design, but so what people ended up doing is that wouldn't even work for them because they have your issues they described. So then they went filterless. They went, again, no heat, no filter. 
maybe they'd have a bubbler, and that'd be a rare situation because piston pumps were expensive. So they just go with plants. So that's what I'm going to try to do is keep it of era and no heat. I'm going to attempt to do no filter, or if I can find one of those hang in the back filters, which having an original piece is extremely hard to find, and I'm going to try to make this an entire 1930s restored tank. And the, and the, the, the nice thing about piston pumps is that they're so nice and loud, they'll keep everybody up in the house all day long and all night long. Which means if I'm going to do it by, uh, by 1930s standards, I have to use oatmeal mixed with uh, um, fish meal. That I chop myself, so we're, we're going to see how that works. For what? That's what they fe- fed feed white them. clouds. What? White clouds are a species of carp. Jeepers. Yeah. They are also extinct in the wild. What are? White and, clouds. Hi, you're funny. They were only found in one tributary in China in the mountains. In, uh, and then, the, as far as I've understood, they're extinct in the wild. That's what I always liked about them, was that they're kind of a, a common fish that only- everybody can have. That doesn't exist really anymore. Only Adam likes the fact that they're extinct. Thank you, Cliff Claiborne from Cheers, for that useless piece of crap. <laughs> what? Hey, that <laughs> oh is actually gosh. an important thing because they they were they're like really cool, hardy fish that everybody should start a tank with that wants cold, cooler, colder water tanks. I'll, I'll and actually, I'll, I'll make nobody it, keeps them. I'll make a confession, Adam. I, I put white clouds out of my out of my hundred and ten gallon. Uh, what do you call it? Horse trough out in my yard that I use for watering plants and stuff. And I, I put them out there. Uh, and I'm not kidding you. I kind of forgot I had them out there. And I took them out of the water was like 51 degrees. And they were fine. They came yeah. out. They came, brought, came back in the house. They had the most beautiful color. And they're very nice. There's so many different varieties of the white clouds. I said, hey, Robs, do you, do you want like the gold white cloud? And he goes, no. So how about the long fin white cloud? What would you say, Rob? No. Yeah. What do you want? I want of era. Boring. I want the 1930s variety before they had the selective breeding. But we are boring Mr. Pickle to death here. He's here to learn more about beginner (laughs) aquariums, not about how they did it in the 1930s from from Grandpa Jimmy over here. Mr. Mr. Pickle, don't listen to these idiots. They don't know nothing. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Wow. All right. So next thing that you need, again, we have aeration decorations covered. So let's talk about filters. So there's a bunch of different filter choices, even from the 1930s. And what we're going to recommend is two easy ones, right? Hang on the back filters have been done forever. But if you're going to use a hang on the back filter, you want to do that. Like we talked about the cycle, we want to have extra space for the biological bacteria. So what we recommend is go to Amazon and find yourself a Marineland bio wheel wheel filter. Those work great. The cartridges are cheap. The pumps work great. The whole filter itself is really cheap. And it has this patented, what they call bio wheel. And what it does is gives you an extra, like, what do you say? It's uh, kind of like an polyester, accordion looking water yeah. wheel on the yeah. front. It's kind of an accordion. Um, it's kind of like a cloth accordion type, but it's, it's, it's in a wheel that just rotates <coughs> with the water. So you never clean the wheel, you just make sure it continually moves. And what that's there to do is collect good bacteria to help keep that cycle going great in your tank. So I have a lot of people coming up to me, well, what size filter do I get? And they do a pretty good job. They say, they'll say they literally give you a filter range. They'll say, you know, from 10 to 20, uh, 20 gallons. Well, just if you're really concerned or you're going to get a lot of fish more than you probably should, don't overstock, but if you can't help it. You're going to do it because you, you have a you're sickness. A new, you're a new yeah. fish and you have a sickness. You want to buy more fish. All you oh, want to see is more, more, more. And you're more. not going to want to set up more tanks. So yes, you do. Set up more tanks. If you can, 
double what they recommend. So if they say it works for 10, either get two or get a 20-gallon uh, filter instead. That way you have more flow in your tank so it can filter out more crap as you overfeed or as you know you have too many fish and most of those those back filters you can adjust a little bit so if you have that thing is wide open and you're getting too much flow, flow in the tank right and it's pinning your fish on the bottom of the tank and they can't get up it's like that old lady from that commercial i've fallen and i can't get up then you can kind of dial back that thing and um uh, adjust it for your your tank and so your fish don't have to constantly swim against the current and also make sure that if you have a super big one that you protect the intake tube because long flowing fin fish will get sucked up by the intake tube and they'll get stuck to the side of it and then they die because they struggle and struggle and struggle to get off. So block it with like some plants or put a piece of sponge around it or something just to help diffuse it. Baby guppies, they'll get sucked right up. Everything. Hey, Adam, do you think sand would get sucked up to it? Oh, sand would definitely get sucked oh, yeah. up to it. Oh, yeah, sand your tank sucks. Bad, Robbie. That's why you got to get a Marineland brand filter to make sure you can handle the sand. Brought to you by... Actually, the Hagen the Hagen ones are way better, in my opinion. Well, that's also a lot more money. This is beginner. We already had Mr. Well, Pickles yell at us already for you know making this too expensive for him. <laughs> right. I'm just saying, yeah. the Rolf C. Hagen ones, I have, I have not been able to kill those. I had a canister filter, a Fluval... What is it? FF, FX5? Those big ones? It literally ran out of water for like three days, and the impeller overheated, and I just put a new one in, and it worked. You're the man. You're the man. So the next filter on our list is sponge filters. These are by far my favorite filter because they hold the most beneficial bacteria, and if you have small fish like corridors or shrimp, they'll eat the food right off of it. So these you can get for as low as two whole dollars what? on Amazon or eBay. You can even get these on eBay. You can make them yourself, too. Yeah, you can make them yourself. Yeah. So Jimmy decides that he has this sweet idea because he has a bunch of fish rooms, right? He's got a ton, ton of tanks to filter out. So he wants to make sure to save every penny, as any good breeder should. Keep it cheap. That's how you make money. So he decides that he's going to go into a 87 Cadillac and cut out the car cushions <laughs> to it. Yeah. And then cut the car cushions into squares, wash them out, and then stick PVC pipe out the top to make his own ghetto filter. But that's not the end of it, right? Is your, he realizes Is your sponges, car locked out here? I know. I have to keep it locked. He realizes that these sponges float, right? So he decides to... Uh, I'm going to keep it cheap. He grabs a bathroom tile and puts it to the bottom and glues it to the bottom of these square Cadillac car sponges. And it is by far one of the best, you know, do-it-yourself sponge filters I've seen. Well, you know, when I had, I think at one time I had about 450 tanks. And you're going, let me see, what's cheap and effective? And so I made my own sponge filters. Um, the, the, where I got my idea back in the day was actually from Steve Rubicki. And today we were going through some stuff at my house. And we found a catalog from, what year was it, Rob's? 1995. In 1995. And back then, Steve was selling these sponge filters. And so I was buying them from him for probably about four bucks a piece or so. And then once I realized I could make them for myself, um, I started making them. And I probably made them, I still can make them to this day for about a buck. So again, $2 on eBay or a buck by cutting it out of a 1987 Cadillac. Oh, yeah. Right. So if you're going okay. to go out and use, um, go out and buy your own foam and stuff, the one thing you want to definitely stay away from is any foam 
like your Hobby Lobbies and that sort of thing, do not get the green foam because the green foam is uh, fire retardant foam and it has chemicals in it. They'll bleed into your aquarium. But right now, if you go, you can find several places that gives good aquarium foam. Um, a lot of our, our uh, people like Steve Rubicki and uh, all kinds of... Uh, you can get cut yeah. sheets of it, actually. Right. Yeah, and just order online. Just You can get a roll of it, Yeah, a foam. And to tell you the truth, it's just as easy to make one as it is to make 100 because once you get set up and you can make them... Yeah, they work wonderful. And when I I have all bare bottom tanks for my breeding, and that works out really well for me. But they're so, not pretty. So, so Mr. Pickles, you had a question. Yeah. Um, okay. So on the topic of filters, so I have for my ten gallon tank, I have a Marina Hang on the Back S15, the slim version. Good man. And yep. It I I didn't buy it. It came with the tank. Even um, better. <laughs> um. So. It, it uses three cartridges, and how often am I supposed to replace them? So, number one, when you look at a filter, do you need to replace it? Most people just throw them out and grab a new one. Well, if you can, look at the type of filter. Is it falling apart? You know, is it dropping? Is it holding carbon? Is the carbon falling out? If it's not, take that over to your sink and, you know, wash it out with your hand. You know, just make sure to get all that you can out of it. Don't remove everything. You know, you're not going to want this as like a dinner plate clean. You're not going to use any yeah. chemicals or soap. But take it over to your sink. Use, you know, warm water, not hot, because you don't want to burn out the bacteria in your... Uh, yep, cool in, water. In, in well, your uh, filter. So, you know, warm is the most, like a tepid. And just rinse it out. Make sure that you can push water through it and put it right back in your aquarium. Only try to replace those if... You know, there's a disease in your tank and you want to make sure to eradicate the thing that may be catching some of the fungus or if it's falling apart. Are these uh, okay. are these carbon filters or are they are they? Uh... Uh, well, there there's two. It uses three, right? One of them that came was a ceramic. No, one of them was a carbon one. Okay. And the other two is ceramic, like water clear, something like that. Okay, so that's the ceramic thing is, if I'm correct, that's going to be, be where your biological filtration is in there. That one, you just yeah. make sure water can go through it. You really never clean it. Yeah, you don't clean that one. Well, that's what I was saying. Like uh, when you told me to like clean it with a tap or something, uh, my uncle is kind of what got me into this. And he said to never clean it with a tap because the chlorine will kill the... Um, like That's a great point. So we are in an area where we don't have to deal with a lot of chlorine. We test our water frequently, and the city of, it. insert the blank here, in the decides that uh, they're not going to put any real chlorine in the water. So we don't have to even use stress coat. But in your area, oh. yes, that is okay. the case. If yeah. you have to rinse that thing out and you're in the city and they use chlorine, it will absolutely kill the water. So your your uh, family member is correct on that. Good job. So, yeah, he said to like use aquarium water that's already in the tank Yes. to, to yep. do it. Very good catch. Okay. So uh, basically my the whole point of this was my question was these filter cartridges are think in reality they're not that expensive. But I'm 16 and I don't have a job and I can't afford to replace them every time. So um, would it be possible to say, like, like get like, um, I was I was watching this guy on YouTube and he said he was showing a bunch of ways to make your own filters. Lava rock works really well. I was thinking I could use that as biological filtration and like put it in and then put like sponges near the intake so that gets all the like the solid particles. So, like, would that even work? So, in a pinch, if you want to do your own DIY filter, and I'm not really uh, um, 
versed on the filter cartridge you have. So number one, the one the filter that holds the carbon don't have to replace it. Number two, the ceramic filter definitely don't replace that. So it's yep. just the uh, mechanical filter, the one that's catching all the stuff that you're going to eventually have to replace. So if you can, you know, you can pull off all of the um, polyester off the filter, and you can wrap it and make sure that uh, when you're doing this that you're not making the pump catch any of the material and you're not blocking the water so it spills out and goes all over your floor. I ha cannot stress that enough, but you can use quilt batting that you can purchase on Amazon, and it's like 2 bucks for a big roll of quilt batting. Lifetime supply. And you can wrap it around the shell of that plastic filter cartridge, and that is the exact same material they already use for the polyester filters. It's really cheap, cheaper than using kitchen sponges, which, again, they work well, but they get clogged up a lot faster. So quilt batting, if you're looking for that ghetto, you know, I can't afford it redneck solution, that's what we even do with some of our old filters that we can't even buy filter cartridges for. Yeah, that's exactly what some of these guys are doing with all these different you know, filters over the years, they still work, but all of a sudden they quit making them. They don't make the cartridges anymore. So you just got to save a buck. Yeah. Well, the whole thing you were saying about only having to clean the, uh, the mechanical filtration and not the carbon or the ceramic. That's what I found weird about this filter. Cause it didn't come with mechanical filtration per se. It just came with like the three cartridges and well, the water only goes through those cartridges. Well, the, the cartridges, so the, the carbon, that's your chemical filtration. My guess is that's got the filter floss around that carbon. Yeah, yeah. Like it has like a, I don't know, some sort of oh. spongy sort of thing around it. Yeah, so what you're going to want to do is you don't need the carbon. You just need that filter floss. And then yeah. that traps like all the big particles. The carbon is like a chemical one. But half the time you don't need it really. Well, and that's what I was told. Because in my 55-gallon tank, my uncle had told me to take out the whole carbon package little thing that's in it, and I could replace that with biomedia, and that will, like, I don't need the carbon. Correct. That'll, that'll work, too. Yep. And the thing is, too, is yeah. you could also buy bulk carbon, you know, so you can replace the carbon inside that little bag. And, and that's relatively inexpensive, but they have some stuff like black diamond, which is very good carbon, but it's super expensive. So, yeah, I think it's a good idea where, you know, you're trying to save a buck, you're, you're a new aquarist. Definitely, uh, you know, cut corners where you can. It's not really going to hurt anything. And just for those um, beginner people that are listening, the carbon is the chemical filtration to try to make the water a bit clearer. The ceramics, or what we call biological media, like beads we put in there, are the biological filtration where they have the good bacteria sticking to it. And the filter floss or polyester quilt batting is the mechanical where it actually catches the pieces, the crap in the water, the excess food. Mr. Pickle, do you mm -hmm. does your... 55 gallon is that the old style marine land ones where it's got the uh double cartridges on it it's got uh, like an open no, cartridge no. okay which kind is that one uh, it, the one that i have it came with the, the the guy gave it to me with the tank it's um i'm not sure what's called i know it's fluval something okay and um it uh it has like in the back it has this big sponge that's like um has bigger holes on one side and on one side it's uh has a lot smaller holes and then after the sponge, there's the carbon. Okay. And the carbon's that, in a bag, right? Yeah, it's in like this little baggie yep. that you can tell he hasn't uh, replaced. And my uncle said from the way it looks, it's the bag's probably going to break and I'm going to have carbon everywhere pretty soon. Just throw it away. Yeah. yeah, throw that away. You don't need that. Yeah. 
the so sponge, to... save it until it falls apart, and then just cut a new sponge and put that in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, per- what else is there? Uh, and then there's the biological media, which is like these little ceramic uh, sticks. Okay, perfect. The yeah. the little baggie that you have, you could literally take like pantyhose and put carbon in that, yeah. and drop that into your filter into your big one. Make sure you wash bowl. it. You don't want mom's perfume on it. No. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, he said I don't actually need the carbon, so I I shouldn't have to worry about getting that. I could just replace it with biomedia. That would yep. work, right? That would work just fine. Well, perfect, Mr. Okay, Pickle. So... I appreciate the question. So let's uh yeah. let's dive on. Again, those are the, the two main ones. And again, just to go back in the sponge filter, the idea of the sponge filter is you take a sponge, a tube goes in the sponge, and at the bottom of the tube, air blows through, and the water sucks in through the sponge into the tube and out. So it's just cycling the water through the sponge, and the sponge collects all the all the garbage. That is one of my favorite filters. You can't go wrong. And if it just it doesn't catch enough, you can either add another sponge filter or just turn up your aerator. Oh, so you only need an air pump? Only need an air pump. Yep. Oh, I thought a sponge filter was the thing you put on the intake of your actual filter. Nope, and we'll That's make sure sponge. to have a link to a couple good sponge filter options on our Twitter account for you. There we go. So, yeah, the... the, the the thing with a, a sponge filter, it's it's more for for people who who have uh, multiple tanks, and are trying to to save a buck. They're not pretty to look at, to be honest. I mean, so your filter that you have sounds like an excellent deal. You don't have to really look at anything but the intake tube. So I will continue using that. But sponge filters we use a lot for um, they they work really well for like a, a medicine tank. You know, if you've got uh, a quarantine tank. And, and it's just kind of like off in another room, and it's not your show tank. But, yeah, you don't want to use sponge filters so much for for a show tank because they're just not pretty, honestly. So the oh. next couple things on our list is heat. So if you're having anything besides white clouds or goldfish, you have to have heat. And for a beginner aquarist, they have to do a lot of homework of, you know, well, what, what should I put it at? And I don't know how to read the uh, thermometer correctly. So instead... You can go to Walmart and purchase a very cheap heater, and they come, they're uh, preset heaters. They're based for the average tropical fish, and tropical fish, you know, they, an expert might say, oh, no, they need 80 degrees. Oh, no, they need, you know, 72. Well, trust me, the, both of those fish will live in a 76-degree aquarium just fine. So you're a beginner. Go out, get the preset filters or uh, heaters, and real cheap, pick them up at Walmart, Amazon, you just drop them in, and they're completely submerged. Do not leave the top where you think that, oh, water's going to get in and short my, my heater. Nope, these are complete submergible filter, or heaters that they have nowadays. So don't be afraid. And if you, when you do water changes, watch where that heater is because if the heater's out of water plugged in, you'll burn it out really, really quickly if it's not submerged underwater. It'll explode. explode. Not, it won't be, a, won't be a happy camper. You'll either electrocute yourself, your fish. Just It won't be a good deal. And, and, and the thing, here's a oh go ahead Adam. sorry oh okay sorry Jim here's a trick that I did and I don't know if Jim was going to tell the same thing with those submersible heaters you can put them underneath you can you know because they're fully submersible you can put them underneath your outtake tube you know your outtake flow of your filter and then the water will go over that and then it'll spread the heat more evenly across your whole tank don't just stick it far in the one corner because then it's always on. It'll be like, you know, putting a space heater in your house. The living room will be warm, but the rest of the house will be cold. You want to make sure it's where air is moving or, in this situation, water is moving. I like to put mine 
at least halfway down the aquarium just for the fact that when I do a water change, I don't want to have to crawl back and unplug the darn heater when I do a water change because then half the time I forget to plug the heater back in. The next day I see my fish have got clamped fins and I'm kind of going, what's wrong with you guys today? And I go, oh, I forgot to plug back in the heater. The other thing you got to know when you're buying a heater is you need to buy the correct size. And it, each box will tell you that this is good for a 55-gallon tank. This is good for a 100-gallon tank. I think the rule of thumb was, what? what is it, Adam? Is it like 5 watts per gallon or something? So Yeah, that's what I usually did. And uh, so, But if you do the submersible ones and you put them in the middle of the tank underneath that filter, they you actually could get away with a little bit smaller one. Right. And the thing is, is heaters are, are not cheap to, to run. I mean, anything that draws uh, a lot of power that creates heat like your like your, your regular blow dryer or the heater that you have out in your porch to keep your shoes warm all that stuff runs um expensive it runs up your your heat bill so that's why you're talking like people with steve rubicki who he heats his room because he's got 400 tanks and that makes total sense but when you've only got the the, the one tank you can of course have the heater and i think that what adam said is to put it in the middle of the tank underneath your your uh, intake and you'll get better circulation that way so getting close, closer to the end of our list is lighting. Most of these tanks that you buy, either if you buy it used or if you buy it uh, as a kit at Walmart or wherever you uh, purchase your tanks on Amazon, they'll come with a hood. If they don't come with a hood, you can buy hoods specially made to fit your tank, and they'll either come with an LED light, which is the preference because, one, it's easier in your electrical bill, and it doesn't add excess heat to your aquarium, or a traditional screw-in bulb. So it's not necessarily what hood to choose. Any hood that fits your tank will work. It's how long you run the light. So when you're starting up a new aquarium, positioning your house matters. If you're going to put it into a sunroom where there's three walls that are nothing but windows, you're going to have a ton of algae without any light. So make sure that you're not putting it into a super well-lit room with windows. You're putting it somewhere where it has a little bit more shade or away from a window because you're going to have a bunch of green in your tank. So even if you move your aquarium to a windowless room, you're still running your light and that's still going to create algae. So what I recommend beginners to do until they realize how much algae is built up in their tank with the ammonia cycle when they're first cycling is only have your light on from the time, let's, let's say that you're a kid or you're, you're an adult and you go to school, you get off school and you come home, turn your light on then. You'll have your light on for, say, from 3.30 or 4.30 when you get off work or school and you'll have it running until you go to bed. And that's a good six-hour cycle where your fish are getting light, your plants are getting uh, getting enough light, and you're not going to have a bunch of excess uh, algae growth right off the get-go. Later, once you understand you know, how your uh, plants are growing, how the algae is going in your tank, then you can turn on from when you wake up in the morning to when you go to bed. But to start off of, I always recommend, at, once you get home from work, turn it on until you go to bed. Yeah, a lot of people want to pretend it's a nightlight and leave it on all night long. And, you know, if, if it's not getting any light whatsoever during the daytime, that works. Um, I don't like having the aquarium light on at night just for the fact that the fish kind of get screwed up a little bit. And so um, during the day, they're not very active. And during the evening, then they, they just partying all day long. So if you want a light light for your kid, there's two compromises you can do. One, glow-in-the-dark accessories. You can get glow-in-the-dark plastics. You can get glow-in-the-dark caves. And those work really good. They'll give you a nice, you know, 45-minute light cycle until they fall asleep. It may not be enough to glow the room, but at least enough to attract the kids' attention until they fall asleep. If you still want an actual nightlight, they have hoods uh, or light accessories that 
either go white, you know, bright white for the day, and you can turn it on to moonlight mode, moon which phase. gives a nice blue dim light across the entire tank. But that also does gain a small amount of algae, so be aware of that. But that would be a day and night cycle that'll be applicable, so you can have a nightlight for your kid. Yeah, these new LED lights they have, they come out. There are so many cool things that these things have, and it, they've made it so much easier to grow plants to have a nightlight, to uh, have different spectrums that you can adjust. So if you have certain fish, uh, like Steve Rubicki was talking last week, he's got, you know, the, the angelfish with the blue, you know, you might be able to adjust that LED light to give your fish a little more blue color. So uh, it's just, the things out there are just tremendously so advanced. So Jimmy and I, years back, we bought a bunch of different light, uh, lighting accessories, trying to find what's cheap and what works. And we got this cool light setup that we were uh, trying to build, and we're trying to emulate it off of a different light setup we were borrowing from a friend. So we tried it and had it as a remote control, and it had like these lighting adjustment options, and it had this like demo feature, so it was showing in a store. We turn on the demo feature, and this thing looks like it came out of David, David Bowie's rear end. Just flashing colors, lights, like a disco, just strobing. You know, all these colors and mixtures, and it was just beautiful. And then we realized that two of the neon tetras were having an epileptic seizure in the tank <laughs> and died. Pretty, pretty accurate, yeah. Like, light, right then and there, the neons just, like, you know, spun, on, uh, spun in a circle and then just flatlined. Yeah, so... So be careful... Don't just flip on and off. You know, how do you like that when you're in a completely dark room? It's just that much worse for your animal. Absolutely. What else you got, Robs? So last bit on the lighting, be a cheater. You know, if you don't want to do it, you don't trust your kid with responsibilities, go to Walmart, buy yourself a timer. Put che that light on a timer. Oh, that is a great idea. All right. So last little accessories is every tank, no matter who, oh, what you have, will have algae, even if you're on the six-hour schedule in a windowless room. That's just part of regular maintenance, so get yourself a good algae scraper. There's essentially two different types they have in the market. You can either get the, what they call a blade on the stick or a brush on the stick. They do work. Um, Jimmy and I's favorite is we like the magnetic ones. They cost a little bit more money, but what they do is have two magnets, one six of the inside of your aquarium, the other six of the outside, and you just take your hand on the outside of the aquarium and move the magnet across your aquarium, scraping off the algae, and you can just leave that in your tank. They also have until uh, it gets, oh go ahead Adam until it gets old and disgusting no and... until it gets until you put it all the way down to the bottom and it picks up a whole clump of sand and then it you drag the sand all over your glass and scratch all your glass up yeah that's why you shouldn't have sand in your tank Adam oh wait it wasn't you it was Rob's that likes sand or don't let your magnet. kid use the magnet the 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 one thing that that Rob's has said is my favorite is the magnetic one. I like the floating magnetic one. So when it falls off, it goes up to the top of the tank, and you're not playing uh, that game that you go to the... Get the net, try to get it scooped right. out, and disturb your tanks, m knock your decorations over. Yep. So by the floating, uh, there's a I think a good brand is a MagnaFloat. They have different types. Uh, the bigger your tank, the thicker the glass, the more magnet you need. Right there again on on the outside of the label when you buy things, they'll say up to a 55-gallon tank. I've got one um, that I use. I have a 220-gallon tank that we do some maintenance on over at a nearby uh, town in a hospital. Hospital, yeah. And that magnet, if you're not careful when when you're trying to, you can't pull it apart. You got to twist them apart. It'll rip the pacemaker right out of your chest. Right out of your chest. <laughs> This, this thing will bust your finger. It's so powerful. you got to be so careful with these big magnets. And um, so 
just make sure you get get one that works for you. And then I like to take them out of the water so they don't get all crusty like Adam and, and Rob, but they're lazy. So. All right, so now we've got the tank. We have the substrate. We have the decorations, maybe plants. Yeah. We have this cool, bubbly chest that isn't whapping off fish's heads. Okay. Right? Right. We have heat. We have... A sweet filter that we got from the uncle and gave some great advice from the uncle. What else on the back? (laughs) We have lighting. We even put it on a timer because you know Mr. Pickles keeps forgetting to shut off the light at night. Well, we're golden then. We're good to go. We where's the fish, bro? What? Yes, we have to tell fish. So no stinking fish. We have a list of fish that we recommend for beginners, and goldfish are not on this list for obvious reasons. Because goldfish poop like Clydesdales. Goldfish poop a lot. They're poop machines. Poop machine. Poop machines. Extraordinaires. So, number one on the list, and we're going to be a little more vague on these topics, is number one's tetra. Tetras are great selection for fish. So, tetras have a long, long list of different types of tetras. Many, many tetras. Many tetras. Some easy to take care of, some not. Do your homework. Do your homework. Find which ones you're picking, but, you know, you can't go wrong with a lot of Tetras. Some of them are a little more finicky. You know, Neon Tetras can't stand disco parties. Right. Emperor Tetras are a little harder to keep. Cardinals. Congo Tetras grow massive. Oh, I mean massive, like so big they'll outgrow your tank. Right. And... But most Tetras are really hardy. Otherwise, there's even some... I think the worst Tetra that you could possibly get as a starter is a Blind Cave Tetra. Sweet. I like those. They have no eyeballs. They're completely blind, so they're hypersensitive to noise, vibration, and smell. So if you put flakes in the water and they f- see a guppy's tail, they'll just grab it because they think it's a flake food. So do your homework, but most Tetras are extremely placid. They work with almost every community of fish out there. They're actually normally the ones that are getting targeted in the tank. And, you know, start off with, you know, the, your rummy nose. Start off with your bleeding heart Tetra. There's a lot of great Tetras out there glow light tetras or even what they call those glow fish tetras they have danios uh white skirt tetras that are all bred to have these like neon colors you know people might not like them in the hobby because they don't call them authentic fish but they're still a great fish for kids to start off with next is live bearers so most any live bearers but of course the guppies what everybody starts off with love the guppies bright colors continually moving around and have fun they breed like rabbits and which works out well for kids to watch the whole process in front of their faces and they're really hardy i mean overall and uh you know some people don't get ever get out of that phase and just keep feeder guppies around yeah like yeah, uh, they right. are not feeder guppies oh so, man uh, let it go Adam. let it go let it go let no it go. good air in bad air out bad air out and for the bottom, Corydoras. Oh, love them. So get your... Yep. Most pet stores have assorted Corydoras. They come in essentially three flavors. There's the bronze. They have this, like, you know, kind of, I don't know, brown-orange color on their back. There's salt and pepper, which are speckled. Paleotis. color. And yep. they have albino. Yep. If you're going the to albinos pick, are usually of the bronze. Right. If you're going to pick them, pick the salt and pepper or bronze. The albinos are the least hardy just because albinos, by Genetic. their nature, the geni- genetics are not that great. So pick the other ones if you can uh, so help it. Yeah, because the, the speckled ones are called paleotis, and the green ones are called, I'm not making this up, green anus. No, Aeneas. Uh, Aeneas, but I like anus better. I like anus better. <laughs> anus better. <laughs> and then, of course, the albinos. The albinos are genetically the weakest, and so I would not recommend them for beginners. So the next has been your kids' favorite. They got to cup them for years. Oh my my kids when I when my kids would make me mad, 
I'd get four, five, six hundred bettas in, and I'd make them stand at the kitchen sink, and then they'd have to cup bettas because they come in little tiny bags about an ounce and a half of water, and then they would stand there for hours putting bettas in cups. And I still love bettas. My kids don't, but they're grown up now, and they have their own house. So betas 101, bettas, betas, you do not put a male with a male, but you can have females with females. Correct. So you can have a sorority of multiple uh, female betas, and you can request those at your pet store. They're real hardy. They can withstand a lot of different temperatures. They can ex- withstand low oxygen environments, but contrary to popular opinion, they need heat. So when you see a beta in a bowl, you know, ask their owner, you know, do you have a heater? Or is it by a heated vent in your home? You know, they do need a higher temperature, but otherwise they're one of the most hardy fish. They used to ship them on paper towels, just moist paper towels, and the, because they can breathe oxygen, that's how they'd ship them overseas. Back in the day, yeah, many, many years ago they would do that, but now so, they're a lot more humane the way they do it. They can take a beating, and that's really what you want for a beginner beginner they, fish. I'll, I'll give you a, a little hint. So up here in the Northland, even though it says 72 degrees on your thermostat, your house is still pretty cold. And I've had people say, you know, my bed is just not as active during the winter. And... If you take your bed a bowl, if you just have a bowl with a bed in it, and you put it on top of your refrigerator, your refrigerator gives off enough uh, warmth to warm up that bowl and make that fish a lot happier. Don't put it on the back of your $1,700 TV to try to warm it up. But on top of your fridge, um, works pretty good, and I've done that over the years. I've measured fridges uh, with the beta sitting on top as up to 76 degrees. Yeah. Yep. So the last couple are resboras. And, you know, we're trying to sit there, we're, we're doing the, we're prepping for the podcast before this, and there's not a whole lot of resboras we can think of that would be bad for your tank. Even the larger resbora breeds, which is like the, what they call the um, Roseline Shark, is a type of a bar, uh, bar resbora. They're great community uh, tank fish. They'll grow a little bit bigger, but they'll even leave neon tetras alone. They're a hardy, uh, hardy uh, species of fish, and there's not a lot that you can go wrong with. You know, even though Rob says you're like a Roseline shark, well, you're always going to have your bullies in the fish world. And I've had neons that have been mean as heck. I've had um, jeepers. I've had some male bettas that would, would uh, leave the females alone. I mean, you never know. You're, you, there's always the bully in the bunch, so you always just kind of want to watch. Just because we say Roseline sharks are pretty pretty good doesn't mean they're all good. I mean, Jimmy and I, we're good humans, but Adam can be a real pain in the oh, ass. Oh, he can be a jerk. <laughs> Are you listening? That's to Adam? all right. Love you. Yeah, I am. Love you a long time. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And uh, second to last on the list is dwarf gouramis. So gouramis normally, as a species, get really big. They're normally aggressive. Dwarf gouramis hold a lot of color. Normally they come in either blue or blue-red varieties. The classic dwarf gourami is a blue-striped red fish, and it's very pretty. They stay very small. And you can get just one to add to a community tank because they don't mind being alone. They're they're more of an antisocial fish. They're not mean. They just keep to them, themselves. And they add a lot of color. Adding one to a community tank goes a long way, and they stay nice and small. And the last but not least, and the most that we're most cautious about, is a Placo. And not just a Placo. So if you go to a normal pet store, um, if they're a good pet store, they're going to warn you about Placos. So if you go to a what we call a Florida traditional Placo that they used to carry at Walmart. Walmart no longer carries fish. Those will get as long as your arm. They grow massive sizes. So if you have a 55-gallon aquarium, you know, you probably can have one for quite a long time. And when Mr. Pickle bought his, he, he had a huge Placo there, <laughs> didn't you? 
Yeah, it was the size of my arm. I yep. sold it last week. There you go. Yep. So yep. what you're going to look for, and what we recommend, is bristle nose placos. Bristle nose placos only grow to about four inches max, and they're extremely vivacious and clean, clean, clean all day. But what we're most concerned about is when you're starting out, add the placo last. Start up your tank, get a couple fish going, make sure the cycle's working, and give your a tank at least a month to start building up algae. So do not add a placo to your tank unless you see algae in your tank because they have nothing to feed off of. And then when you do, if you have a small tank, like a 10 or 20 gallon, get algae wafers for them as well because the algae in the tank is not going to be enough to feed them. And if you're feeding flake food, normally not enough flake food ever hits the bottom for them to ever get. And they don't normally come to the top. You'll have your, your, your few flakes that will come to the top searching for food. But for the most part, they're going to lay on the bottom and go, feed me, Seymour. So what we do around here is when we start up uh, either breed placos, grow all placos, whatever we do, we try to use some of our local harvest. So zucchinis, cucumbers, melon. They love almost all types of melon. I, I, I have a crime to report, Robs. So last melon, melon last Thursday, I was doing my normal job and I made the mistake of going to this small town in northern Minnesota and I made the mistake of not locking my door and I came out and I had 95 pounds of freaking zucchini in the back and I look over and my customers are all laughing their heads off and this has happened about 10 times this summer and I thought, oh, zucchini season's over. I was wrong. Everyone in Minnesota, especially, dumps zucchini off on everyone. It's a going joke. Like, I heard this from Jimmy. Not the first time I've heard this. Yeah. People will literally, if you have a truck, like a box bed truck, they will come, if you park at, you know, any local place, a grocery store, they will come and just dump it in your truck because everybody grows it, but no one uses it for anything. Well, they get so gosh darn big, someone will get as big as your arm and weigh 10 pounds, which are, they're pretty much useless. But they don't have flavor. You, they're, you can't use them for cooking. Some of them are yeah. partially hollow. I, um, when I had, uh, Placos love them. Yeah. When I had all those bristles, Placos that I, I bought from, uh, from Stewart down in, in Arkansas, I came back and I probably brought back about 3000 Placos. And so I was telling all my customers, I really want some zucchini if you got some. And that was a mistake. And now I don't have that many Placos. I got very few Placos, but I've got a lot of zucchini. I bet you I have 200 pounds of zucchini in my freezer. So fun fact, like Jimmy just said, zucchini, cucumber, for fish, keep frozen. So slice it up, cube it up, put it, uh, slices work better. Don't use like small cubes and freeze it in Ziploc bags. It can get freezer burnt. doesn't matter. Just take it. You don't really have to even unthaw it. You can just skewer them to the bottom of your tank in your gravel. And as they melt, Placos will just come and destroy it. Yeah. Right now, Rob's has got a pair of Placos. He's got all kinds of babies. And if you take a piece of zucchini, the size of a uh, a hamburger slice and if you put it on the bottom he'll have a hundred plecos on that darn thing and as you train them and get them more used to eating zucchini and other uh, fresh goods that you have to normally throw out they will literally come eat it off the top of the surface so you throw a piece in there zucchini floats they will go to the surface and suck it off the, the surface of the water yep and the next day you'll have nothing but a bunch of pleco poop on the bottom and the rind the is, rind the rind just floats to the top and you just take it and throw it and throw another piece in but they will don't leave the rind in your tank. It's more crap for you to make more ammonia. Right, but they will eat themselves to death. Those things will eat and eat and eat and poop and poop and poop and grow like weeds. So just a recap: tetras, live bearers, corydoras, 
Dwarf Garamis, Betas, Rosboras, and Placos after you have algae are all great beginner solutions. Give those a try. And, uh, again, we love questions. Thank you, Mr. Pickle, for joining us. It was uh, okay. enlightening. And uh, if you got more questions, we'll certainly follow up with you after, Mr. Pickle. But we love your emails. We love your uh, your voicemails you guys yeah. send us. So continue to do so. AquariumGuysPodcast.com. And on the bottom of the website, again, is our number, 218-214-9214. Give us a call. We'll air your question right on the show. Yeah, we had our best week last week. We've only been doing this for what? How many weeks, Rob? Six, seven weeks? Less. I think it's like four weeks, but we got six episodes. This is number seven. Number seven episode. And we had a tremendous amount of listens last week. Thank you guys for doing that. Please tell your friends to tune in. Please give us ideas. Uh, we're not we're not here to say that we're experts on any of this stuff, but we're just here to try to answer some questions. If we don't know the we'll answer, find it. we'll find it for you and stuff. But we're, we're here to help you succeed. That's the only reason we're here. We want you to succeed because people um, aren't in this hobby anymore like they used to be, and we want we want to see this hobby succeed because we love it so much. So if you love us, go to our website, buy a T-shirt, get a mug, whatever you, whatever you can find on our merch store, and uh, again, we'll uh, we'll be ready for your questions. So Adam, what I like to do is you were talking to me about adding a segment to the show. Do we have that ready this week? Uh, kind of, yeah. So what we talked about is doing, uh, you could say, the fish of the episode, since we do this more than once a week on occasion. So what is the special fish of this episode, sir? The special fish of this episode is freshwater candy cane gobies. And they are um, Awas flavus, I think is their scientific name. Not a but beginner like, species. Huh? Not a beginner species. No, not a beginner species, but they're really, really fun. Um, I actually put them in with my discus because they could take the heat of the discus tank. And males are about three to four inches. They're brightly colored. They hop on the bottom like a classic goby. They love frozen bloodworms, live bloodworms, live blackworms, whatever you can feed them. Beefheart? Uh, Beefheart. I didn't really have them eat beefheart, but I just had them eat kind of a little bit of mostly in insects. Carnivorous. Yeah, they're carnivorous. Uh, they never really went for flake food or pellets or anything that I could see, but maybe you could try it with some of the newer pellets that they have out now. Those were some of my most favorite fish because the males would go and they are a little bit aggressive towards each other, but not really towards any other fish. And the males will brighten up and have displays and they'll throw up their top fins and, you know, show off and they'll open their mouths and their mouths are really big and each other, you know show off and the females are a little bit smaller like two three inches and they like to hide in clay flower pots or caves so like most gobies these species again if you can do brackish certainly put them in a brackish tank otherwise if you're going to have them with other freshwater species add some salt to the water that complements them really well yeah i i loved them those were one of my most favorite fish for keeping because they're just weird unique they only come in i think in the like like March, April. They're a seasonal I think fish. they come from Brazil. Yeah, they're a seasonal fish. You almost never see them because people just don't get them. So what we're going to do is each week we're going to try to grab a new unusual species that people might not have ever heard of. Most people that are either getting into the hobby or even been in the hobby a long time haven't don't know what's been out there or what is no longer offered. So we're just going to try to do the obscure species of the week or the podcast and, you know, maybe you'll learn something. Well, Jimmy, is that all you got? That's all I got for you today, Bob. All right, Adam? 
that's all I got. All right, thanks again, Mr. Pickles. <laughs> yeah, thanks uh, to you guys for having me on the show. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. And I, I hope you guys have a, a mild winter up there, and I hope you have great success. Uh, please give us an update. Yeah, he laughs. He, we're from Minnesota. Yeah. There's no such thing as a mild winter, you wiener. Yeah, no, exactly. There's, we have no mild winters. Yeah, we have snow up to our eyeballs, and, and that's only because we're standing on top of our car. All right. Yeah. Thanks again, guys. Let's cue that outro. Thanks, guys, for listening to this podcast. Please visit us at AquariumGuysPodcast.com and listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We're practically Thanks. everywhere. We're on Google. I mean, just go to your favorite place, Pocket Casts. Subscribe to make sure it gets push notifications directly to your phone. Otherwise, Jim will be crying into sleep. Can, can I listen to it in the in my treehouse? In your treehouse, in your fish room, even alone at work. What about at my man cave? Especially your man cave. Yeah. Only if Adam's there. No. With feeder guppies. No. no. They're endless. You midget loving <laughs> sucking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll see you next time. <laughs> Later.